Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Cartoon Cartoon Wednesdays podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the one, the only, Static Shock. So, let's go ahead and get started with that intro. Static Shock is an animated TV show um, uh, produced by DC. It was an animated TV show, yes, produced by Warner Brothers, DC. Same thing, you know, in this case. Um, it follows the superhero life and day-to-day life of Virgil Hawkins, um, who goes by the name Static Shock, if you don't know. You probably already know Static Shock was a, well, I wouldn't say, like, iconic. I wouldn't put it on the same tier as you would, like, Spongebob. If Spongebob is like S tier plus or S plus tier, Static Shock is definitely on A tier. It's kind of like when the same tier as Ben 10, which is kind of like me. It sounds like I'm putting Ben 10 down when in actuality I'm really not. I actually really like Ben 10, but I'm just saying like in terms of like iconicness, it's like Spongebob has a whole level of iconicness that a lot of modern day cartoons don't have because if you've never seen like a real cartoon, if you, like, everybody knows Spongebob. You don't have to see a cartoon on Spongebob. But not everybody really would know Ben 10 or um, Static Shock. It's not as big as a house. At least I don't feel like it's as big as a household name as Spongebob. But we're completely off topic. Let's get back to the thing. Follows the life of Virgil Hawkins, um, who goes by Static Shock. Now, um, just to be clear, we'll be talking about season one. Just, just the first 13 episodes. The first 13 episodes. So... Yeah, just the first 13 episodes. So, um, yeah, we follow Virgil Hawkins. So, it's a little background. We have a little background on Static Shock. Static Shock is a originally a comic book created by Milestone Comics. Milestone Comics was this um, initially, um, well, the people who founded Milestone Comics were a team of all black, of all black comic book writers and veterans in the industry, led by Dwayne McDuffie. Who will later go on to all the late great Dwayne McDuffie, who sadly passed away, like almost a decade ago at this point, I think. Um, who would later go on to found Man of Action, um, the studio which made Ben Ten and General Direct some of the best cartoons like of Cartoon Network history. Period. And um, in Milestone Comics, when he well, I guess when he worked when he was when he was just working with Milestone Comics, they made Static Shock. It's Static Shock along with a lot of other characters like Icon, um, who will be later go to appear on um, Young Justice along with another character called Holocaust, who had a minor role in Young Justice season three. Yeah, three, the new one that came out. And um, the Milestone comics take place in what's called the Dakotaverse, and which is also the name of the city in which Static Shock takes place, Dakota. I'm not sure if the state, state isn't really said, but it's Probably Dakota is a big city that has urban and suburban areas. So with that being said, and there's also water nearby, I think. So it's probably I would say somewhere in Michigan, probably in the place of Detroit, honestly. But it could be anywhere in in the U.S. But I would say it's probably on the eastern U.S. But um, I keep getting back off top. Keep going off topic. There's so much to talk about. I'm, this is so much, so much fun. But let's get back to it. Um. Yeah, so Virgil Hawkins, the Dakota verse, and some more back background of Milestone Comics. 
Milestone Comics, um, when they were founded, you know, Dwayne McDuffie and the other comic book writers that went with him, they kind of put the name out there because they were respected figures. And they're like, hey, we're making this um, comic book studio. It's going to have a lot of multiracial characters. Well, it's kind of known, it's unfortunately known as the Black um, Comic Book Company because it, all of its characters are black, but they also have a lot of non-black characters. It's just that they wanted to give, you know, representation of voice to the unrepresented and when you do that you gotta catch with that stigma which i think is unfair because we have a lot of like i said diverse characters and they equally represent a lot of people and go through a lot of like social issues in those books especially in static shock and speaking of him is this his show his costume in the comics and his costume in the tv show are completely different in the show it's um excuse me the comic in the comic it's a black jumpsuit with lightning bolts um, on the chest that extend down the midsection, kind of like the groin area. And he has a black hat and like black high tops. But in this show, as you know, it's a lot more colorful. Now, me personally, maybe it's because I didn't like read the comics. I feel like I really need to read the comics. I probably eventually like buy the comics. Maybe I don't think I go paperback. I probably go digital. But like I said, because I watch the TV show more and I'm more familiar with the TV show, I like the TV show costume better. If I'm keeping a buck with you, the um the the comic book one, it seems kind of just not as exciting to me as the one in the TV show. Like I said, maybe because I watch the TV show so much that I like that one more. But um, when they um founded the company, they made a deal with um Warner Bros. that. Warner Bros. would be able to publish the comics and have the final say-so and what would be able to be published. And it would also take a certain percentage of the of the profits made. Of course, it's a pretty good deal. And definitely in favor of Milestone. Because of this, Milestone was able to make a lot of good comics and everything. And um, Static Shock was born at Shock. Static became the most popular character. And of course, when he got the TV show, it was aimed at kids. And the show lasted for four seasons between the September of 2000 to some month in 2004, where, like I said, it had four seasons, total of 52 episodes. And the show was canceled, not because of, you know, ratings. It had the best, some really, really phenomenal ratings and um, phenomenal ratings and a lot of, like, awards and one, one a couple of daytime Emmys. But it was canceled because of the one thing that um, kids' TV shows thrive on merchandise if you're not making merchandise then you're going to get canceled and because milestone comics had that stigma of being you know the black comic the black comic book guys like people regular people didn't want to buy them like a bunch of like white dudes come like do i really want to read the comics about like a bunch of black people i don't really kind of relate to that necessarily so i'm not really going to buy these which you know is rather understandable but that's why the show didn't do so. It didn't sell so well because Stag was black. So we had the stigma that he's for black people and non-black people shouldn't um, read the comics or they wouldn't get the story. So that's why he got canceled. But as of, doing, as of me making this podcast, there's been talks uh, with Michael B. Jordan. Um, and I said to direct, I think he said to produce a Static Shock um, movie, a live action movie. And it's supposed to create this kind of universe of other black superhero characters, mostly probably in the DC universe, like, well, kind of like Milestone. Well, Milestone has not been folded into the DC universe, I think. I think it was like Flashpoint or the New 52 or some other DC 
um, reality altering event that happens every two or three years when a comic sells go and they gotta draw the readers back in so then it gets confusing all this new continuity and shit that's why I don't read comics because it's always gonna get changed every two or three years anyway so what the fuck is the point but anyway um, originally the Dakotaverse Milestone Comics characters were not in the DC Universe so that's why there were some discrepancies um, in the show um, they reference um, Superman as being, at least in the first season, Superman as being a fictional character. But later on, Static goes on to, like, meet Superman and the Green and Green Lantern and have all these adventures and stuff with Batman. He even meets the Joker, too. At, he meets the Joker in the second season. So it's kind of like a continuity error, but it's kind of smooth. It's really smoothed over and not really minded when you understand that it was because at that point, Milestone Comics wasn't in the official DC canon. It was more DC adjacent, but at that point became the DC canon, so they kind of converged everything in. And I think it made the show better. Seeing Static interact with Batman and Superman, it was really kind of cool. It was kind of dope. So, and later on, he would go and appear in Batman, um, Batman Beyond, and then later on, far later on, like a decade later, he would be in Young Justice. Um, and, he, and he was almost in, um, um, uh, what's that game called? Where um, when Superman becomes evil, Injustice Two. Oh, when I say he was in Injustice, I meant he was in Young Justice. He was in the Young Justice cartoon. Oh no! But yeah, he was almost in Injustice Two. But he didn't get in because of legal battles. It's because um, Dwayne McDuffie, um, rest in peace. Um, his wife owns half of the Static Shock character because Dwayne McDuffie helped, of course, create him. So when DC wants to use um, wants to use um, Static Shock, they have to include her, but they don't include her. So he usually gets taken out of a lot of properties. So it's DC and the other comic book creators. They like scheme. They be like, yeah, 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 we're going to put them in. We're going to do this. But they don't include her. So when she has her 50% share of the character, she's like, yeah, no, 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 no. And she just exited, exited out, which I can respect because she almost literally half of the character and you can't use half you can't use that without you know going past her it's really shifty and really bad so i can respect her you know taking him out of projects if not give her the time of day to be like can we use it can we talk about it like like what's going to happen with this character but it's still like as a fan i'm like man i really wish they would just you know just be adults about this so i could beat batman up with static shock and that'd be so cool but like they they they, they cut it they cut it. Yeesh. They cut um, Static from Injustice 2, but you could use like Black Lightning, honestly, or a, a lesser used character that I really wish, you know, got more screen time, at least in the modern day, like Black Vulcan. Remember, like, I guess we would remember because we were young kids, but the Super Friends show, where like you had those racially diverse superheroes. Why can't we have, why can't they make a comeback? Why can't they appear, you know, in like modern comics and stuff and get their own TV show or get referenced or whatever? Like Black Vulcan, like um, in one of the, ep in the first episode when Static first gets his powers and him and Rich are trying to find um, a costume from the wear, he goes in and models for Rich and he pulls out a Black Vulcan costume. I'm like, so like we're referencing the fact that these characters exist, but we're not going to use them. Maybe they're tra trapped in some weird legal limbo. That's why they can't be used. But I'm saying, like, all those, like, super friends, racially diverse characters, they need to be brought in the modern day or something. It just feels like a, a complete waste of a character not to use them. Like, you can use them in so many different ways. Like, we saw what happened with Captain America 
how Isaiah Bradley was um was added to the Captain America mythos way, way after Captain America was made. Like he was he's a rather recent creation. Like I think within the last ten or fifteen years, but he's now like a solid part of Captain America mythos. So I think Black Vulcan could be very similar. Like in the show, uh, we see there's this company that's experimenting with like the mutagen and stuff. You know the classic evil company stuff, and that mutagen stuff ends up creating the Bang Babies. Um, the Bang Babies is what the show calls the people that get the powers. So what if like Black Vulcan or some of those other super friend superheroes were the stuff that the company did in like the past, like the 40s and the 50s and stuff, they experimented on them and then they just like dropped them where like, or did they like killed them, erased their memory, took their powers away, put them in prison, something like that. That would be like kind of cool. I know, I know it would be just playing off of what Marvel did, but is it really that bad? Like art imitates life all the time and creators take from other creators all the time. Like, do you remember that year? When two movies about the White House being sieged released, like, within, I don't know, what was it, like, a month, two, three months of each other? Like, their trailers were playing on TV at the same time. It was White House Down and Olympus Has Fallen playing at the exact, like, nearly the exact same time. So, it's not like companies don't, you know, borrow ideas from each other, like, all the time. And furthermore, um, right now, like, Marvel's The Avengers by Square Enix released... At, at this point, a couple months ago, maybe a year, I don't really know. A couple months ago is my safe bet. And that was kind of like a hero looter shooter. And guess what? DC is doing the same thing with Gotham Knights and not the Suicide Squad. You would think if you're going like an online looter shooter experience, you would do it with something that has the ability for you to create like infinite characters because, um, there are infinite villains, not not infinite villains, but there are far more villains in the DC universe than there are members of the Bat family. I know at this point you're probably like at least ten to fifteen members of the Bat family, but still you have like all the villains in the Flash's Rogue Gallery, Wonder Woman's Rogue Gallery, Superman's Rogue's Gallery, Batman's Rogue's Gallery, Green Lantern's Rogue's Gallery, Aquaman's Rogue's Gallery. Uh, Green Arrows, Rose Gallery. I know there's some overlap between them, but still, you have like, even between those six characters with the Rose Gallery combined, that's like 50 characters right there. But no, we're going to do like the online looter aspect with a finite amount of characters. Yeah, yeah, we big brain now. We big brain. Anyway, I went off on a tangent, but um, that's just to talk about superheroes and stuff, and that's what we're here to talk about a superhero TV show. So let's go into the first episode I have written down, episode one, Shock to the System. So as I said earlier, Shock to the System, it's the introductory episode, season one, episode one, and it's how Virgil got his powers. So the episode opens with Virgil, you know, taking out some bad guys and, you know, stopping a drug dealer, some theft or whatever. And he after he says, well... Up to about two days ago, I was your normal average high school kid, and we see what happens. And essentially the story is that Virgil, um, he was being picked on by this dude named Francis. And um, this gang leader dude named Wade or Dwayne, something like that, he's, he protects Virgil. And he's like, Virgil, I want you to come and meet me um, in my warehouse, in my gang hideout later in the afternoon. Um... So Virgil goes and he's like, listen, you are smart. I know you're smart. Come work with me 
and you know, so we can you know do some big things. Come join my gang. He's like, nah, I don't want to do that. And then he like goes home. And he talks to Richie. Oh yeah, his best friend. And his best best friend is white, by the way. Oh, and P.S. In the comics, Richie is gay. But you no, know, this is a kids' TV show, so we you know they couldn't really do that, and there wasn't like a lot you could really do with that. But um, but we'll talk about that later. There's another episode where I think they kind of switched that those things. Um, so he goes to Richie. He's like, "What did you say? Did you say yes? Did you say no?" It's kind of easily. I kind of was like nodded in my head, you know, like don't think about it. Yeah, you definitely say yes. You might want to go clear out. So he goes to find Wade to go clear up the mistake. And when he does, Wade's like, oh, you came. Yeah, we got to go um, fight Francis. We're going to go kill him for you. So come on, come with us. He's like, what? So then they get to the spot where are about to like kill Francis. Um, he gives him a gun. He's like, he gives him like, man, the piece. And the piece is like, this Clark's like, whoa. And he freaks out and he tosses it in the lake or whatever. That's why I say it takes place in like Michigan or something. That's like Detroit, Michigan. We have a lot of black people at and it's by a lake, a body of water, something. And definitely Detroit, Michigan. But whatever. And um, so the the um, Francis is gay. They descend upon the spot, and so does Dwight's gay. So they start fighting and stuff. And when they do, the they um they knock over these barrels. These barrels with like the hazmat hazardous symbol on them, and the police come. And I think I have it written down that the police shoot missiles. Or something like that. They had like a chopper. Yes, I have it written in all caps that cops use missiles on them. And they, I guess maybe they're tear gas um, missiles or whatever. But they, the, the chopper just shoot missiles and they explode in the barrels and stuff. And the barrels start to, you know, like comic books start to affect people. Like one guy turns to goop. Another guy, something happens to him. I think maybe one of those guys was Dwayne or something. Because in the first season after this episode, we don't see him anymore. He's just he's just MI. So I assume like one of these guys like roughly looks like him, the guy that turns into goop. So I assume that's what happened to him. But um, you know, of course Virgil gets hit with the gas and um he runs away and he gets home and that's when he realizes he has his powers. He gets gets a static electricity powers, like electromagnetism. It's like it's electric powers, electromagnetism. It's whatever you want to call it. But he just gets electric powers. And so he shows Richie and stuff. He shows his friend. And then that's when, after he shows him, like, Richie's like, you got this as a costume. So they go to, I presume, somebody's house. I'm not sure if it's Virgil's house or Richie's house. I assumed it was Richie's house. But it may be Virgil's house. Because in a later episode, it's like Virgil's like, how come I've ever been to your house? So I guess it must have been Virgil's house. But Virgil like goes into his closet or Richie's closet, one of the two, and he just tries on all these outfits and stuff he has. And apparently in his closet, he had the right materials so he can have his costume. It's like, how do you have a shirt with that specific symbol, um, a big blue jacket like that, the goggles and the mask, the pants, the shoes? How do you just have this stuff? I'm like, what? Anyway, that was weird, and so he has to fight Francis now, the big bully white dude, who, who before he had his powers, he had like that early 2000s, you know, like frosted tips, spiked hair kind of look, you know, white dude, and it was like fiery, it was like, it was red, and then it was, um, had, um, yellow streaks, so I'm not sure if he was blonde and dyed his hair gold or yellow, or if he was 
redhead and dyed his head gold. No, I said it wrong. Like he was blonde, dyed his hair red, or he was red and dyed his hair blonde. Either way, it looked stupid as hell. Like honestly, it looked dumb as shit. And then he gets fire powers. Remember, fiery hair, fire guy. So he gets fire powers and he calls himself Hot Street. And then Virgil has to um, learn how to use his powers and stuff. You know, pretty, pretty basic stuff. You know, pretty formulaic episode, but it was a pretty good solid episode nonetheless. And something I forgot to mention in this episode, but um, um, Virgil lives. He's in high school, so he lives with his. Um, father and his sister. His mother is dead, and we learn in later seasons how she died. But I think later in this season, uh, although in this episode, Richie brings out that his mom died due to gang violence. I had seen the episode like a long time ago when I was a kid of like what exactly happened to his mom, and I was like thinking about it, like a really kind of sad episode. It is a sad episode, but just me thinking about it like makes me sad. So I can't, I can't wait, which is ironic. I can't wait to read just me. Well, listen, watch that episode if I can remember what happened. But um, his mom is dead, and he lives with his father and his sister. His father is a big man, and his father looks very Thurgood Marshall-esque. So if you put a picture of him, his dad, and Thurgood Marshall like together, like 90s Thurgood Marshall on the Supreme Court, you'll see that they look very, very similar. Um, only kind of difference is the hair color and the um the skin tone but besides that it's like they look very similar like he has a he has a very strong looking deep voice kind of man because he's voiced by kevin michael richardson so what do you expect and he looks like very deep very strong and he's also a really really good father throughout the season and the later in the show at large you see that his dad is a caring loving thoughtful person and he's a really good dad like he works in the community center trying to help kids so he's it's obvious that he has the qualities of a good person good leader and not only that he's like a really good dad you know and then but like i said he also has a sister and the sister is older older than him and it's not really like expressly said in the um show at least in the show that she's older than him we kind of have to put it together because we get like later in the season the last episode we see family videos of him when he was Virgil was a baby with his sister. His sister looks to be about maybe four or five or something like that. So we kind of get that head like his sister is in college and stuff, but she still lives at the house, which is you know not like uncommon, but it's like okay, I guess she must too much go to college. Um, in um in uh in town, uh, the city of Dakota is where it happens. And his sister still has, like, pigtails at, like, what, 1920? She's, like, 1920-something years old. That's, that's kind of weird. But that just is what it is. So that's the first episode. And now let's get to episode number two called Aftershock. Um, in Aftershock, um, he has to fight um, Francis again. Francis gets taken away to jail, but, you know, he breaks out. Not jail, but, like, maybe this mental asylum or something like that. But he breaks out and he'll fight Virgil. And this is just more about, like, Virgil getting used to his powers and all that cool stuff. You know, this stuff that is kind of basic in a superhero TV show, especially one about a, a, um, a teenager. So, they in this episode, they establish what happened at the docks around the toxways as the Big Bang. 
and the people that got their powers are called bang babies. I said that earlier. So that's what they're called. And also on the news, um, they're also called mutants, which is like in a of course an obvious reference to like mutants in Marvel, but um Virgil comments that mutants is just like degrading and he prefers the term meta human, which is becomes the official DC term for anybody with powers as, as a meta human. So I not quite sure if that was like I'm not sure if like at that point in like two thousand if DC characters were like with powers were being called metahumans or if that was like a new term or what what it was. I don't really know. I don't really care. I just want something to mention. And um also in this episode the well the 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 subplot is with Hot Streak Francis he has to fight Francis. But the main plot is that um what uh Virgil's dad goes to a city council meeting and then he just he gets on talk on the mayor's case about why was like all those toxic waste barrels there and what's with the bang babies and she's like listen 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 everybody we're investigating it we're going to get this stuff handled and stuff don't you even worry about it well in the next scene Virgil and Richie go track the mayor down and she's having a conversation with uh, Mr. Edison Alva which is like the rich billionaire guy that just, you know, wants money and power, you know, it's the stereotypical dude. And um, they see, he like talks to the mayor and the mayor's like, um, we're investigating and we're probably going to get on you pretty soon. So Edison calls his dude and he's like, yeah, we got to like burn everything, like burn everything, delete everything, but save that stuff on the flash, no, a floppy disk. I think it's a floppy disk. It looks like a floppy disk. So it's a floppy disk. And Virgil, um, he tracks him down. He gets the floppy disk, but he, he eventually um, loses it. Not loses it, but he gets destroyed. And then later, when he fights with um, when he fights with Francis, you know, it gets Francis destroys it. And um, during the fights, um, Francis, yeah, he gets hot. He gets like overheats. And uh, Virgil makes a joke about the third Newton's law, and and he calls it burnout. But in the third, I'll give you a physics term, physics-y explanation of what the third news law is, because I take physics, um, is that it's the basic one. Everybody else, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So if you're going to use a bunch of uh, fire, you know, heat yourself up, you're going to get overheated. And that's the equal and opposite reaction. So I thought that was kind of cool, because Virgil is a genius. He's a super smart kid. It's not evident in the first few episodes, but later on he does some stuff that labels him as a genius. Like he goes to a school specifically made for geniuses. Virgil is really smart on his own. Which in terms of representation, something I meant to talk about earlier, is really good. Because Virgil, um, he represents, like as a black person on TV, I know he's animated and all, but he doesn't really fall into a lot of the traps about a black main character. He's independent. He's smart. He has street slang. He's goal-driven. He's not a thug. He's just like a regular person. Just happens to be black and not like this black character caricature of what a black person is supposed to be or he is or isn't in popular media, which I really enjoy. And a lot of people don't bring this show up enough when we talk about representation, which I think is a darn shame because we need to really talk about this show a lot. And I'm glad now that. It's finally getting a reboot in a comic book and also a reboot down the line when it comes to um, 
um, live action stuff. And speaking of live action, some people say they want Caleb McLaughlin to play him, the um, the black kid from Stranger Things, who I don't really know how old he is because he looks like a kid in the show, which, you know, I guess he's supposed to, but he had like a mustache. So it's kind of like when you see him in the show, okay, he's a kid. You see him in real life, that's a grown-ass man. That's just kind of confusing, but it's just what it is. He's an actor, so he's doing this thing. And also, back to now, off the tangent, back to the show. So, in that in the episode two, at some point, somebody makes a joke about uh, Virgil being a freak, and he says, "You say freak, I say unique." And those are kind of jokes that Virgil usually makes in his show, and I really appreciate that. Um, it, he, with those jokes, he gets comparisons drawn between him and Spider-Man, which I think is fair. But some, but some of them are like really fair, like really, really fair. That's not a bad thing because some of the jokes are corny, like Spider-Man. But some of the jokes do kind of hit, which you know is a nice touch. So he's really quippy and stuff, and I think those quips add to like his um his character because he has a lightning fast wit because of his electric powers. You really get it. It's a little bit of subtext, you know what I mean? But it's enough of that. Let's um, let's move on to episode number three, The Breed. In this episode, we have um, Derek Barnett, who was a track star at the at the school that Virgil goes to the high school, and he gets he gets some power to become a bang baby, and he gets recruited by this guy named Ebon Eben. Um, and Eben has the ability to um, he's a shadow, so he can teleport people. Do cool things with shadows, and he leads a villain team called the Metabreed with this girl named Talon, who is like a human who has bird qualities, like a harpy. So she has talons and wings. It's named Talon, and this guy named Shiv who can create energy weapons on his hands. And so, kind of like basic stuff, they convince um, Derek that because he's now a freak like them, he has to live on the ground and work with them. And Static um, finds out about this, and he helps Derek break free from this and gets help from the um, the hospital so he can, you know, go back to being human. But the thing is, in the comics, oh, they he, um, the Metabreed, they call him Destruct, which is his name in the comics, Destruct. Because in the comics, he was um, also Derek Barnett, and he worked, well, he was in this gang. And in the gang, he ran guns, and he was a skilled fighter. So he got the name Destruct. And he became, and during, like, the Bang Baby incident, he became, he got the superpowers, and he became Destruct, a being of, um, and the being of pure ionic energy. And so he has the ability to change back and forth. And so they changed the uh, his origins from being a high school athlete to being a um, gun runner, a gang member. But in the comics, he lives with his dad. It's him and his dad. But in the show, it's him and his mom. Which is a kind of an odd change. But, you know, I guess it's to help audiences better connect. Which, you know, I'm cool with that. Um, and they draw... In this episode, like, I've watched after the credits. And I see that in this episode, they draw characters after the episode is over. And in this episode, they draw Evan. Which was cool. So now we're going to episode five, and episode five um, is called "They're Playing My Song." And just this episode is there's this new villain called the Rubber Band Man, and he's going after 
people who he thinks um, stole his music because he creates some music, some good music, and this guy got popular off this guy, this rapper called Ice Pack, popular off of it. So he goes, he tracks down Ice Pack, and he's like, yo, give me my dude. You stole my shit. He's like, bro, I ain't stole nothing. I got this shit from my producer. Go talk to him. He's like, all right, I will talk to your producer. And he goes to find the producer, and the producer, he dresses like a pimp. He's black, and he dresses like a pimp. But he acts like Suge Knight, but he looks like Biggie. He has, like, the fat and body of Biggie, but disposition and the acting like um, Suge Knight, which is um, interesting, I guess. I'm going to call him um, I'm gonna call him Biggie Suge. Biggie Suge is like an asshole. And so one thing that gets brought up in the end of the episode when um, Rubber Band Man is fighting um, or, yeah, fighting um, Big Suge and Stag is there. He's like, if I let him go of what he did to me, I'll lose my street cred. I'm like, what the hell? It's like they brought up this new like plot point and plot thread of street cred out of nowhere, which I thought was really, really weird. And it's like, I guess for like kid stuff, like street cred, but that's just like a really weird thing. And when like Biggie Suge is being taken off to prison, he's like, man, I'm gonna get so much street cred from this. Like they sound like children. Like, yeah, bro, I just took, I just stood, excuse me, I just stayed up. Uh, 20 minutes past my bedtime. I'm gonna get so much street cred. I'm hard. And it's like, what? He's so, that's so stupid. But Rubber Band Man's name is Adam Evans. And Rubber Band Man, like, as his um, name suggests, he can stretch himself like a rubber band. And he can also change his, his color. Because in his show, he has this um, purple skin tight suit. Like, he wears this purple suit. And he can change himself, change himself into like different shapes, like a lamp post, a, a radar dish, a trash can, and he can also like change his color too. So he can be like any color of something. Sometimes he changes his color. Sometimes he doesn't. It's kind of inconsistent. Also, in this episode, Virgil's dad gets him a job at Burger Fool, which um, is a play on words. I think at McDonald's. Because their mascot looks like this court jester kind of dude, which is like, obviously it's McDonald's because Ronald McDonald is, of course, a clown. And um, Richie and Frida, which is another one of his friends, they go and they see him. And uh, Virgil's like, what can I get you? Um, and Richie says, I'll take a burger with a side of your self-respect. Like, whoa, that was kind of funny. But that's essentially all that happens in episode five. We get introduced to rubber band man, Adam Evans who would later become a recurring character um, in later episodes, of course, in, in this season two. And so episode six, the new kid where Virgil goes to that smart people school, a prep school, really only a big thing come out of this is this girl named Daisy he meets, who goes to, at the end of the episode, she switches from the prep school to public school, because apparently public school is safer. Don't know who told her that. But anyway... Let's get to episode seven. I know I'm doing a lot of episodes because I like this show a lot. Had a lot of good material. Had a lot of good material. For only having 13 episodes, it had a lot of good material in it. So, let's get to episode seven. Episode seven is Child's Play. Child's Play is the one of the episodes I really, really remember the most because it had the most interesting concept. And I saw it as a little kid. And we see an interesting concept as a little kid. They really stick with you and it's kind of hard to forget. But this episode, there's a little boy called Dwayne McCall, and he has the ability 
where he can create anything from his imagination as long as he knows what it looks like. And what made this episode so cool to me, because I am a fat kid. I'm not sure if I said this or not, but I am a fat kid. Like, I eat a lot. I can eat a lot. I've always been a fat kid my, my entire life. I don't care. I'm just a fat kid. So what he does in this episode, this is what I stuck out to me. He takes a, picks up a popsicle stick off the ground, and he turns it into a hot dog, a, a chili dog with chili and cheese. And his brother, his stepbrother, Aaron Price, is like, where'd you get that from? You didn't have money. He's like, I made it myself. And, like, that's his power. And, like, that brought up so many questions to me. Like, so if he eats it, does it disappear? Does it become a, a like, a popsicle stick in his stomach? Like, how does it work? Like, just the physics of that power, like, the inner workings are just, like, really interesting to me. But that's not here nor there. And some other thing that happens episode is that Aaron Price's stepbrother figures out about his powers. Like, he's a bang baby. He uses it to his advantage. He uses his brother to steal money from the bank, to steal um, clothes from the mall, all under the guise of, they're bad people. We're just, you know, getting back at bad people because Dwayne McCall, little boy Dwayne, he's very desperate for his older brother's attention. Like, he really wants his, his brother's attention because he's kind of a lonely kid. I really feel bad for him that his brother manipulated him in this way when all he wanted to do was hang out with his older brother. And I don't, I have older sisters. I just never met them. Well, not that I've met them before, but I'm just not, not close to them. But I know if, like, if I grew up with an older sibling around me, I would want to be around him a lot. So seeing his older brother do that to me, do that, it's, like, really, really, like, despicable to me. It really makes me angry. And I'm glad he got his just desserts at the end of the day. And this is the only time we see Dwayne McCall. This is the only time we see this little kid who has the ability to create anything from his imagination. I guess the writer wants to realize when you have a character who can just make anything out of his imagination, it kind of doesn't make stories kind of interesting because he can just make a, a, a ex machina, like a, like a MacGuffin, and just fix the episode or whatever. But that's just what it is. And some more interesting things that happens in this episode is I think it's kind of funny is that when um, um, Aaron tries to use Dwayne to, you know, like, print money, he, like, he wants to get some money, he tells Dwayne to make him a $100 bill. Dwayne tries to make the $100 bill, and he's like, what is this? It's not a $100 bill. It's like, I can only make things that I've seen. I think it's kind of sad that this kid has never seen a $100 bill in his life. That's how you know, like, how kind of poor he is when, like, he's never seen a hundred dollar bill like not even on tv and not even in person has he seen a hundred dollar bill so without telling us that he's poor that tells us that he's poor that's one thing i really like about the um storytelling in the show at least at this one instance that we learn a lot about a character and we also like in virgil and richie also go to um see his mom to learn about him um, in a project, so you figure out he, he lives in a project, which, like, I know you live in a project, it doesn't mean that you're poor, it just means you live in a project, but to see this kid's never seen a hundred dollar bill before, I'm like, geez, man, that's, that's kind of rough, um, I think that's everything I want to talk about in this episode, so now we're going to, oh, and in the beginning of the episode, these kids at the community center bring up, uh, uh, a, um, a debate, like, who would win in a basketball, what would is it Wilt Chamberlain? Or Shaquille O'Neal. Personally, for me, I got, I got Wilt, Wilt all the way. Like, come on, guys, is it really even 
a um a a debate like Will Chamberlain hundred percent any day of the week. That's my call. And, and the final thing about the episode I want to mention is that the little boy is named Dwayne, which is also the name of the co-creator of Static Shock, Dwayne McDuffie. And the kid uses his imagination to bring things to life. Like how Dwayne McDuffie uses his imagination as a writer to bring characters to life. I'm just putting that out there. I'm just saying, just saying. So now we're going to get to episode 8, one of the more iconic episodes of the series. This is called Sons of Fathers. And this episode I mentioned earlier is the one where um, um, Virgil realizes he's never been to Richie's house. And so he's like, Richie, you should let me come over to your house. He's like, okay, okay, okay. You can come over. You can come over. And Virgil ends up going over to his house and saying, wow, Richie, this is a really nice place. I don't know why you wouldn't want me to come over. And it turns out that his dad's actually racist. Um, his, so Richie tried to like have him come over on a day where his dad would not be home. He thought his dad would be working the night shift and Virgil would be gone by the time he get home. Turns out, nah, his dad came home early and completely ruined that plan, which is kind of unfortunate. So his dad gets home and he sees Virgil on the balcony waving to him. He's like, what the hell? And he's like, oh, okay. And he's like kind of angry, I guess. I'm not sure what emotion you would say. I'm not sure if it's anger, like anger and surprise and disgust and everything, but so many different emotions. I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's a one singular word for the emotion he would be feeling. And then um, later on at dinner, um, Virgil brings out rap music and says, like, there will be no rap music playing in my house tonight. And he's like, okay. And later on in Richie's room, um, they're talking. Richie's, uh, Virgil's like, bro, come on, it's not a big deal. My dad doesn't like rap music either. It's not no black and white thing. I mean, it's cool. I'm going to go to the bathroom and freshen up. So as he's walking to the bathroom, um, he hears his dad say, I think it goes, um, I have to deal with those those people all day. Now I have one of his kind in my house, and it just completely shocks Virgil. I'm concerned this whole thing is squashed. Time to get minty fresh. Down the hall, right? Yeah. And now I see why Richie acts like a hood, Maggie. That kid's a bad influence. All his kind are. Keep your voice down. It's bad enough I got to deal with them all day long. Now one of them's in my house. And, like, Richie is, like, not shocked that his dad said this, but he's really hurt that his dad said this. Like, when Virgil hears this, Richie is, like, right behind him, and he's, like, equally shocked, too, I guess. I guess I just contradicted my father. I'm like, who cares? And Virgil just leaves. He just goes home for a night, and and, he, and his dad comes to you, like, what's all this ruckus? And Richie just goes off on his dad for, like, being kind of racist. Not being kind of racist, for being racist. And I'm not even realizing it. And his mom is just, like, embarrassed that her husband did this. Oh, and P.S., his mom is kind of hot. His mom is, like, a solid, like, nine. I was just saying, I'm like, I don't know how his dad got his mom, but I'm just putting it out there. And then, um, like I was saying earlier, in the comics, Richie is gay. And I thought this was them kind of bringing that kind of him being gay into the cop into the show without making him gay. Because, like, the, st the stereotypicalness of a gay character in the comic is that the parents aren't going to accept that. 
So I thought this was him kind of being like, well, we can't bring him being gay into the show. So why don't we do something different? So they took and gave him a racist dad and he having a black friend and it didn't do the same effect or didn't hit as hard. But it did kind of, you know, fill the same kind of role in a way. But later on in the episode, nonetheless, um, Merger goes home and he talks to his dad and tells his dad what happens. And his dad ends up staying up the night with him and keeping company. So it just adds to the fact that his dad is really cool and amazing guy and amazing pops and someone you can really appreciate to talk to. It's that really good, they're a good martial kind of aspect. Richie ends up running away because he's so embarrassed about what his dad did. And his dad, his dad's name is Sean, by the way. His dad goes and he tries to find him and he calls Virgil and he's like, is he over there? And he's like, no. And then he goes to the community center where his dad works and he and he, they talk about it and they end up um, going to find Richie together. And they end up um, tracking him down because Richie was captured by the meta breed because he was like using a walkie talkie to shock box or shock box, whatever, to talk to Virgil and they kidnap him. And um, when they kidnap him, Virgil um, gets there to save him, and so does the dads, and they all end up beating the meta breed and saving Richie. And the episode ends with um, Sean taking Virgil and um, Richie to Comic Con, and it's kind of, I guess, it's hinted at that Sean is working to overcome his racism, which I really think is a kind of, it's really nice. It's a really uplifting, really good story. Um, originally, I was not hesitant to, hesitant is not the word I will use when I was thinking about this episode, is that I didn't want to watch it because I knew what was coming, and knowing what was coming, it just disheartened me to not want to watch it. Usually, I'm, I'm like brazen, I don't really care, I watch the stuff, but it was just so, like, visceral for me. I I've never really experienced racism. I know I'm, I'm a black guy, and being black, everybody thinks you experience racism on a daily basis. And I kind of do, but it's not something super serious. It's like, you know, being black and being smart, I'm not usually around people of my same skin tone. But that's just the way it is. And I really would consider that racism, but that's just what it is. But I haven't been in a lot of situations where people have called me nigga or people have, like, discriminated against me and I've, like, actively felt it. But this is one of those moments that just hit hard for me. I guess because for some ways I see myself very much like Virgil, like I really identify with Virgil and then to see um his dad do that, I guess it kinda hurt me because I like I identify as him, which is which goes to show the power of representation, which is you no know, I'm really for that. And I really like Virgil. He's one of my favorite all time fictional characters. Like my second favorite or my number one favorite um black fictional character, at least animated. Um it goes between him and Miles Morales from Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse because they're both just oof, really good characters. So I'm just saying that I really, really like him, and that's why this was hard for me. Not hard. I like I'm not crying or anything. I'm like, I gotta watch this episode. But hard in the instance that I have to see it happen, and you don't want to see it happen. It's um I'm trying to think of an example. I can't think of an example. It's like a movie. Like in a scene you don't want to watch, but you know it has to happen for plot development or character. I just can't think of an example. Like a really hard scene to watch in a movie. 
I just remember, I just did a quick little Google search and I found that, you know, some of the scenes would be like when a dog dies in Molly and Me, Never Stop Molly and Me, or when Spider-Man gets dusted in Endgame. Um, I watched Endgame, didn't really care about that, okay? I guess and when Gamora, like this list had just three scenes, five, two scenes from Endgame, one scene from Infinity War, like the one where Black Widow died, didn't really care, that was eh, the one where Spider-Man died. Eh, Moral Gamora died. Eh, that listened no emotion from me. Not because, oh my god, they can't cry, but just, that was just okay. I don't think it was watching that movie just a ball in their eyes out. Like, like when, um, in The Walking Dead, when they killed Glenn, my mom was bawling her eyes out. I couldn't give a shit. I, I couldn't care less, my nigga. Like, these characters are not that interesting to me. But, you know, it's just something that you gotta watch for character development. So, that's why episode 8 was a little hard for me to watch. Not hard, but, you know, just, you know, interesting. Well, that's why it's one of my favorite episodes, at least of the first season of what I've seen. Because, um, I watched, um, I watched the show many times. Well, oh, hold on, not many times. Because when I started watching it, the show had already ended its run. The show, the show ran from 2000 to, to 2004. I was born in 2003. So, I was born... Um, when the third season was airing, or when the second season was airing, one of the two. So I only caught the reruns, and I do believe I caught the reruns on Jetix. I know the show ran on Kids of WB. Don't think it was on Cartoon Network. It definitely was on Disney XD. So I think it was on Jetix, and Jetix was this channel that was like, I guess, a product of like the nineties and stuff. Like its mascot was like this X that had a face on it. And it was kind of cool. It had Power Rangers up there. It had Super Robot Monkey Team Hyper Force Go up there too. It had Get Ed up there. I think it had this show about people riding dragons too. It had a bunch of cool stuff up there. So that's where I watched it. And I only, of course, caught the rerun. So they kind of reran the same episode. So I didn't really get the whole scope of the show. But there's just some things I remember from just watching it. And I, that's the one thing I remember because that's the one thing, you know, that's the one episode everybody talks about because everybody remembers that episode because it's so iconic and it's, it really, um, sticks with you about what happened in that episode because it's just so poignant and that sticks to the fact that in the original comics, the writers were not afraid to go to social problems, social issues. Like I said, Richie was gay, a girl named Frida who appears in the show as Virgil's early love interest and she kind of gets shafted in the later episodes of the first season um she was bulimic in the comics and then Virgil you know he has sex in the comics he has a relationship with a girl that is like topsy-turvy there are problems in the relationship there's like there's they had there's gangs and stuff there's gang warfare that happens so it's like it's real problems in the comics but you can't do all that when you're doing a kid show of course so that's just one thing that goes through that this show is like really good at what it does and it's just sad that it didn't sell well because I think if it sold pretty decently, the show definitely would have probably ended around probably oh eight oh nine if we're being honest. Like I would have been able to catch new episodes, and I really wish I was able to do that. But you know, it is what it is, and the show is still good. But let's talk about our last episode, Tantrum, episode thirteen, the season finale, Tantrum. Oh, I just want to mention this. That the show's season finale, it didn't feel like a season finale, you know. Usually, there's like a story arc that forms over the season, or something happens in the season finale that marks the season finale. Not here. It um, It's more or less just um a regular episode 
but it kind of has a season finale feel, but not a real season finale feel. I'll tell you why. Episode Tantrum, the show's um main A plot, I put a well, uh, I'm not sure if it's the A plot or the B plot, but one plot one, first plot introduced in the episode is that Virgil was talking to his mom at her grave, and become it becomes clear that in the show um, later in the episode that um, Virgil has to give a speech at his mom's um, at his mom's memorial service, and it becomes clear that he hasn't really gotten over it. And his dad was like, I'm, I'm sorry, I thought you had made peace with your mom's death by now. And it took me a long time, too. And so if you don't want to do the um, speech on a memorial, you don't have to. No one's going to force you to do it. We're sorry. We're sorry for bringing it up, but I ask you. Although, like I said, um, Mr. Hawkins, Robert Hawkins, I mean, that's that's another point in his book for being a good dad, like a phenomenal father. I love this man as a father. They wrote his character really, really good. And um, and the subplot, I guess yeah, the B plot is that there's a new bang baby, and he's it's called Virgil calls him tantrum, and his um he is kind of like the Hulk, and his regular form he's Thomas Kim, he's Korean, and he has the stereotypical you know Asian parents, you know his dad wants him you know get the A plus on everything, you know stereotypical dad, stereotypical Asian father, and um in the episode. He um he gets a ninety nine out of one hundred on his um writing essay because he put its he put an apostrophe s when there's no apostrophe s and its and his teacher took off one point like 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 what the fuck like that's if you're like this is a grade a amazing paper and you're just trying to take something off you um you take off a point for um. A misspelled, misspoke, uh, misspelled word. I just know she was kind of a bitch for that. So what happens is he transforms into his form, this tantrum form, which is um a big rotted out dude who's purple with orange hair, and he just like just wrecks her fucking car. She kind of deserved that. Like you took off a point because the man didn't put a, like, put the apology where it should be. Like are you serious? Like fuck out my face. But um, he does that, and then at the end, the epi- and then when Virgil and Richie kind of like confront him, like try to talk to him, like not about what happened being a bang baby, but you know, just talking to him at his house about something or another. He gets mad, and he kicks him out the house, and he later appears at Virgil's house as tantrum, and Virgil has to lead him away. But he uses some carefulness. He uses um his mom actually to defeat tantrum because. Um, he ends up watching, so in the middle of the episode, I think before Tantrum comes, he and Richie watch um, old home videos of Virgil when he was a baby. And in this video, we see, um, in the video, it's him, his mom, and his sister, and we will, like, assume that it's his dad recording. And in the um, episode, I mean, excuse me, in the video, Virgil's a little baby, he's still in diapers, and he's crying, he's having a tantrum. And his sister's like, he's, Virgil's being bad, why don't you punish him? And his mom is like, like, really look, looks really cute. Honestly, okay, his mom looks hot. His mom, I'm gonna say, his mom looks hot. Like they had no reason to draw Mrs. Hawkins as that bad, like absolute baddie. Like she has this this gray streak of hair that runs across her whole hair. And so my thing is like in that video, she was like 47, and the show takes place like 10, 12 years after that. No, wait, more than that. Like. 
15 years after that. So that means she had to be like in like if she was alive, she'd be in her 60s. And his dad looks to be about in his late 40s or 50s. So I'm just saying, though, man was punching above his weight. So I got to say, she looked bad in the motherfucker. I'm saying, I'm off. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. No more horny. I'm done. And um, his sister is like, Virgil's being bad. Why don't you punish him? And she's like, I'm not going to. You know, he just having a tantrum. You just got to let him sort it out. Like, he'll tire himself out. And the way she looks when she says that, and the way the voice actress speaks when she does the lines, it makes her come off as very caring and very knowledgeable on the feelings of children and the kids. And she does like a really good mom. Like the writers did really well making the the parents look like really good parents, and that just warms my heart. And then to see that she's dead, it it kind of makes you really sad because she's a really good character a really good mother and just that she's dead you can feel it makes you feel the absence as much as Virgil does because you want her to be in the story you want her to be able to be there to give more advice to Virgil so he can grow as not only a hero but as a character too but she's not there and so you, you feel the absence it's like it's like, there's this Japanese lady that made music, but she died in 2004. I can't think of her name. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm an iFunnier, guys. Like, you know, I'm on iFunny. And, you know, on iFunny, it's like, God, wow, there's this super cool Japanese, um, um, singer who makes music. I wonder if she's still alive. And then it becomes that sullen Wojak with the deep black eyes. So it's kind of like that. It's like, wow. Mrs. Hawkins is super cool. I wonder what she does in later episodes. Oh, she's dead. But um, so um, let's let's get back over to um the episode. What happened with Tantrum? So he leads Tantrum off to this like um construction site, and he lets Tantrum just tire himself out, where he eventually reverts back to Thomas Kim. And what happens to Thomas Kim is that his parents um just give him the treatment he needs to control his powers. So let's go, and that's how that plot line ends. So we go back to um, Virgil's mom's funeral, and at the funeral, he gives a speech, and the speech is really nice, and it really encapsulates and punctuates her as a character and what she meant. I know it's like the rule in storytelling is the show don't tell, but it's kind of hard to you know really show like what the mom kind of meant. And when she's not here, it's a little harder. So telling us like what she meant, it's I, it's just really good. And I, it was really cathartic for Virgil. I think he's like if he hasn't gotten over it at this point, he's made serious steps to you know get past, um, get over his mother's death. And I'm not saying there's any rush for him to get over. Like he has to get over today or anything, but he does. He's taking steps and losing your parents at such a young age is definitely like going to have serious effects on your development and he's just on the road to recovery it doesn't he doesn't have to recover today let's not be tomorrow but he's definitely on that recovery and um at the funeral um the gospel choir sings how i got over by aretha frank aretha franklin which is um i'm not sure if aretha franklin made the song but she definitely performed and that's when i came up when i googled it but that is like one of like the at least I feel like one of these most popular gospel songs. Um, how I got over 
Um, I just heard it. I know I've definitely heard it before. I've definitely heard that song before. I've not just I've never seen this. I've seen this episode maybe one time. I didn't know this was in, but I heard that song. I was like, you know, I've definitely heard that song before, and I just googled it. Yep, that's not an original song. And um, and that's just one more thing in the show. It's like, it's like it's kind of. It's like they get to the stigma for being for black people, which is kind of deserved and undeserved because it does a lot of like things that black a black person would recognize. And I know like like going to church or going to the Baptist church, you know, you, you hear the gospel, you hear the songs like how I got over. I've definitely heard that song before, like as much times I've been to church with my grandma. I've definitely heard how I got over before. And I heard and this is it's just like one of those things. And um, so. When it gets the stigma of being like the black comic book uh, company, kind of it's kind of like a fitting title, but it does a disservice to all the other powerful things and characters and stories they can tell. Because the comics are actually really, really good, and I'm really looking forward to reading them. Like I said, I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm gonna go paperback or digital. We'll have to decide how my pockets is looking to be able to the publishing. But that will punctuate and conclude. Um, oh no, that will not punctuate and conclude. But one one more thing, one more segment I'm adding to my shows or my podcast is that I'm going to be giving this series of ratings. I did it last week with Gumball, but now I'm really submitting it now. So on a scale from one to ten, Static Shock season season one season one gets a grade of you know eight eight out of ten, eight out of ten because um it was a really good show, but I think the lack of true episodicness. Um, um, affects it. Oh, I forgot to talk about an episode. Speaking of episodes, I'm going to talk about one. And the episode called Bent Out of Shape. Um, Rubber Band Man comes back and he's this, um, this, um, rapper, performer dude or whatever. And he's dating, um, Virgil's sister. And it ends up with him going back to jail. So he, that's what I'm saying. Like, like episodicness. This was one, um, hints of the episodicness that I wish was, you know, a little more there in this season. But uh, hopefully it gets better in later seasons. And also there's some points for animation. Because the animation is fluid yet stilted. Like there will be shots where not in the in the action where they're fighting. But shots and when the characters are talking. Where they'll really use the budget. And the characters would start to like fully move. Like their faces will like stretch when they're talking. Like the chins will stretch when they're talking. And remove their heads and their bobble and move their necks and stuff. I'm just like, what? It just it looks really really jarring when you see it. It's like the kid, like when you, when you watch animation. I think they call animation cells parts of the um show that are meant to move. Like they look different than like a background, so you can easily tell them apart. And so they're when their faces are meant to be animated and move and jump and jamble. Um, it's they're drawn differently. You can tell. I'm not sure if this is like a stylistic choice, or this is like the like the animation style they used, or if it's just like how they want to animate. I guess those kind of same things, but I don't really think they are, or if that's just like a limitation of the software they use. Because when the Proud family when they animate, I know like I'll take, I'll, get, I'll get to the Proud family later on in another episode, not now, but later on in another episode. And the Proud family, I know. The characters have like a kind of bounce to them. When the characters are like walking and you want to hide the legs, the characters were definitely a little bit more bounce to them, a little more kind of like bouncy, kind of like, I'm not sure, like jazzy, 
but a kind of like, like a cooler, smoother kind of like kind of like black kind of like animation. Not that just sounds weird, but it kind of has like this kind of black feel to it. If if you feel me, you feel me. And I think the animation was kind of meant to mimic that because it just it just feels like they were going for something stylistic, something poignant, something that you will remember. And I kind of it really achieved that because when it does that, you know it does that. And that's just one thing I would take off. So, uh, total um, Static Shock Season 1 gets an 8 out of 10 from me. And this will conclude and punctuate episode number 4 of the Cartoon Cartoon Wednesdays podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you didn't enjoy the episode, please let me know at Cartoon Cartoon Wednesdays on Instagram, um, a DM, or um, and follow the page, follow my Instagram page, and follow my podcast wherever you're listening, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Pocket Cast or wherever else Anchor decides to put my stuff. And this has been me, Jacoby Leonard, signing out for the night or day or morning. I don't really know where you're watching this and I don't really care. Have a good whatever time. system.